0: This is the Fabric Podcast. Recorded live at the Minnehaha Falls Bandstand in Minneapolis, we've been asking, what if? This episode features a conversation between Melissa Locke and Justin Lay, a Fabric regular, entrepreneur, and big thinker helping us ask some big what ifs about our doubts. They even let me pop in to goof around with some Jenga blocks for a little bit. Enjoy.
1: All right. Hello. I am Melissa Locke. I am so excited to share another very compelling, interesting conversation within this bigger conversation about what if. So we're asking this this question, one of our favorite fabric questions, what if? And if you've missed any of our what if guests and conversations so far, I really think you should not miss them. Um, Listen to our podcast, catch up with it, because... Um, We've had some really helpful stories and guests helping us see what if as this doorway that it is. A doorway, not of just any kind, but through what seems really impossible, through what seems stuck, I'm sure we can all think of things like that, things that feel too hard. Not possible. Um, But what if can be a doorway through that into what could be? So we're asking it, and I don't know about you, but I wish I could always be standing in that doorway and just see all the things, all the possibilities clearly, and just go there, right? But we have our doubts. We have our doubts. If only we could be more sure and just head that way instead of doubting ourselves and doubting each other and doubting what we're part of. Actually, I think we need to talk about that word, doubt. Because doubt, it seems isn't a defect of this life fully lived, this life woven deeply, Erin talked about as, as she welcomed us this morning. You can doubt this if you want, but here's what I want you to try on today. That doubt isn't a defect of that life woven deeply. Doubt is a feature of it. Doubt is a friend. So, speaking of friends, I am so excited to welcome my friend, our friend Justin Layup, today to help us explore this idea of doubt. Um, thank you, Justin. Justin's one of my favorite thinking partners um, about a lot of things and has helped uh, lead Fabric through some pretty big transitions over, gosh, 15 years maybe? Whoa, I
2: feel now. You were now. just a
1: kid when you yeah, came here. Yeah,
2: I was like 10 when I came here. Yeah. I think.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And a neighbor. Uh, sometimes Justin will be up there behind the drum set. Justin's an amazing dad. I've gotten to, to witness some moments. Also, Justin just happens to have started a brand new kind of healthcare company that, from my knowledge, didn't really exist before. So yeah, welcome. Hey, thanks. So you've pretty much been labeled a professional doubter. <laughs> And I wanted to give that's you a fair, chance fair, to yeah. to speak to this label. Like, how, how, what's your relationship with that word? To kick us off here.
2: Sure. I would say that I I don't necessarily think about it as doubt. To me, doubt is like uh, like there is a thing, and you either like believe that thing or you doubt that thing. I don't know if I love that framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a, a little more like a I don't know maybe a continuum of sorts where it's like I'm on this journey and uh, I'm constantly thinking, uh, I guess, doubt in different forms. Like maybe there is a thing that somebody has some certainty about, and I think, I don't know if I quite believe that. Or maybe there's like a skepticism version of doubt. I think there's also like a wonder kind of Mm. version of doubt, like the the what if questions that we ask, right? Uh, And so for me, I just am on this uh, journey, this continuum of thinking like what could be. And sometimes that takes a form of what could be in a generative sort of way. Uh, and sometimes it takes the form of some skepticism. Uh, and uh, I, I feel like I've been you know, on that continuum at various points in my life. I also think that doubt or skepticism or uh, wonder is sort of innate in us as humans, like our species. This is the way it works, right? That, and and I, w- I would make an evolutionary argument for it that you know, if we were, say, uh, a cave person uh, living and trying to decide, should I eat this berry on this bush or not? It's probably healthy to have a little bit of skepticism about that berry and whether or not you (laughs) should eat it. Like, should I uh, walk into this cave and trust that there are no animals in there that might eat me? Probably a healthy amount of skepticism or doubt that I would be safe in that cave, right? So I think that there is a healthy amount of doubt that is built into us biologically as a species that we all just, like, exhibit every day. And now, It's part of us. It is part of us. Uh, I think it might also... that doesn't make it comfortable. Uh, I think it is probably still uncomfortable, which is also probably a part of the biology, right? That if it was just comfortable all the time, we might just walk into that cave and get eaten by the bear yeah. that's in the cave.
1: Right. I mean, bringing us to present day, we, we wonder about our news feed, too. Like, then that's healthy. Yeah. Like, we don't just believe. I just believe all
2: the news that comes <laughs> into my news feed.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we don't buy everything someone tries to sell us. We ask questions. We wonder. So yeah, Um, so whatever we might call it, I think we can all admit or start to see we use doubt all the time, um, whatever name it might have. But still, it seems to get a bad rap. And it seems like something that somehow we're supposed to try to avoid or eliminate from ourselves and from our lives.
2: Which is sort of like the instinct to try to avoid or eliminate. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I think that's why we have to talk about this, um, because I think there's a cost when we spend all of ourselves on trying to avoid and eliminate doubt or run away from it um so yeah that's why we're that's why we're talking about this and i see all these blocks around tripolino i know you sing but you also you've been busy building wooden blocks tell us it's true yeah
0: you guys might have noticed that we've got all these blocks laying around right so uh Actually, Justin, I could use your help over here. If okay. You don't mind. Okay. Yep. So this is just how, how it is, right? Uh, this is this, Yeah, it's just like supposed to be like this, right? And so you know, there's some games with this and whatever. But what, what I want you to do is just pull one of these out.
2: Mm-mm.
0: So <laughs> he's
2: going I for I think I want it. this one. Okay. This one. You do you. Maybe this one. I think I want this one. It's hard, Chris.
0: Oh, nah. boy. oh, geez. Jeez! Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Well, you guys can vote for yourselves what you make of the rest of him speaking today. But, uh, so I'm going to put it back, and I'm going to give you another try at this, Justin. Okay. Okay. So this time, I would love for you to be just a little bit more careful, okay. because we're going to start seeing some connections, I think, because these are smart people. We get get scared, right, that, that, like, you pull one thing out and the whole thing is going to fall. But it doesn't have to be the way it is. So we're going to put this back. We'll make it all pretty again. And then I want you to pull out one more. But let's see if we can do it, you know, kind of like the game, you know, and we... Like where you're supposed to make sure it doesn't fall. Yes, that kind of game. Okay.
1: Oh, you found a loose one. Okay.
0: Oh all right. So that's another way of doing it, right? So you it seems you, kinda you, boring. You choose smart and you, you pull pull one out of there and maybe maybe you didn't even need that one. Maybe that was like something that wasn't even helpful for the structure of this, right? You didn't even need it. You might notice over here we had some some people we just said build something different, build something. And so if you look at this, this is like a set of those same blocks, but it's it looks a little different, right? You can see it's, it's not, the whole thing is not even that shape. So here's like three little moments that I want you to think of, like the, the perfect pristine and the fear of maybe the whole thing is going to fall down. We got, what if we're a little more careful with what we're taking out and how? And then there's this, like, what is that? Like, we got, you know, block Stonehenge going on. Uh, <laughs> and maybe we need something That's not just the same old tower that we've always had.
1: Yeah, what else could we build? Okay. All right. Wow, thanks, Chris. Yep. Justin, you were part of a big stable tower of healthcare. It was a pretty big, well-operating corporation. And tell us us about that tower you were part of.
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I used to work for a, a giant corporation, probably the biggest in healthcare. And, uh, you know, it was like a nice, stable job. I have a lovely family and a mortgage and food that I need to buy for that lovely family. Uh, and, um, you know, moved from there to uh, a startup that I didn't start uh, and worked there for a few years until I started my own startup and uh, basically built on this premise that, uh, of, of wonder, really, hmm. that spent this time in my career in healthcare building what's typically referred to as care management, but it's really like programs uh, to help people who have some form of chronic condition um, try and manage that condition more effectively, be healthier, et cetera. Uh, And often these programs are built, and the people that use them are the ones that are most likely to engage with something, some program like this. People that don't use them are commonly referred to as unable to reach, Uh, as like, you know, we can't get a hold of them, they're not interested in this program, but somehow or another, they're not participating in these programs that are meant to make people healthier. And I sort of got to this point in my career where uh, I didn't like that anymore. And I started realizing the people that are unable to reach, that are being left behind by these programs, are the most, I mean, honestly, they're a little bit like my family. Growing up, uh, I grew up on Medicaid, Uh, you know, we were poor, we moved around a lot, just lived a very chaotic childhood. And I uh, started realizing more and more that the people that these programs that I'm building are leaving behind are the most marginalized, the most complex, uh, the people that need these programs the most. And these institutions that I was working in just sort of left them to the side as it's not worth the work to like, get them into these programs.
1: They said it's impossible. Basically. Like it's not, we, they had given possible. up, yes. Yeah. And
2: so uh, me and my you know, skepticism or wonder, depending on the day, started <laughs> thinking, well, what could we do about that? What, how could we get... How can we build something that is built for that population? How could we do it in a way that is profitable? Not because, you know, I want to make a bunch of money, but because um, that's sort of what it takes to be sustainable in this healthcare ecosystem, right? So started a company called Remo. That sounds Uh, easy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, People who want to start for-profit businesses in the social work uh, realm, really, uh, it's a a great way to go. Yeah. so yeah, started REMA about three, uh, three and a half years ago. I guess four years ago, something like that. Um, it's growing. It's great. Uh, it's a healthy company. We're about fifty people now, and still, tons of anxiety and doubt and wonder, depending on the day. But yeah, things are good.
1: So I, you know, I can't help but think it's kind of like this. The the rug pulling word came to mind. You kind of mm. pulled the rug out of this big assumption Mm -hmm. out from under that tower, and in your own way, it kind of knocked it down and said, what else can we build? And I've heard, uh, maybe you have too, Jesus was called a rug puller. So I think you're in pretty good company. Mm, Um, I'm just like Jesus. I know, exactly. Like, everywhere he went, he was saying to those of us, those parts of us, those people around, like, that felt really sure and certain, like, that's impossible, this is how it is, this is what I know. And and he'd want to keep them in motion. He'd mm. pull the rug right out from under them. So, um, so yeah, I think this is pretty rich. I think that maybe why Jesus is so compelling and troublesome to yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. We we don't like that feeling of instability. I I think it's human to want a sense of peace, a sense of stability, a sense of um, certainty. Well, yeah, certainty, and. Um, to think that we're going to find it by building a certain tower and then keeping it that way forever. It's so human, but it's so, we know this, right? That it's, we can't depend on those things for our peace and our stability. And in fact, trying to cling to them holds us back from growing, from being alive, really. I mean, if you compare the towers to the trees here in the park, I mean, they... Are sturdy, right? They're but they're changing. They were not the same as last year, and pretty soon they're going to drop everything um, and reach out a little more. and And I just think, could we think of ourselves a little bit more like that? Mm. So, thinking of doubt as this potential friend, this part of you know life fully lived, um, it's nice to have people like you around who make it look so easy, right? <laughs> it's so you and and Okay, so I also know you're a human being, and you worry about the 50 people you employ mm. and the people at your house that you want to continue to be able to, to, to have a continue. life together yeah. and, and, and eat together. And um, so it kind of looks easy to you, but tell us how it is. is. That, is it? Does it feel easy all the time? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I know the answer to that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, yeah, I think there's sort of an allure. And I do this too, right? That like when you're looking at company, somebody who's running a company or doing you know, what I see as a brave thing. Uh, and you know, I don't know them. I don't know their inner monologue. I don't know what's happening for them. I, I do often look up to a lot of people and it's like, oh, that seems really easy. So this
1: is just what Kathy was saying last week, by the way, here. Yeah. yeah. Check that out.
2: Yeah. So I think for me, it is, it is definitely not easy. Um, I would say I experience a lot of anxiety on a daily basis. So much so uh, that I have a, a coach uh, for me and my, like a professional coach slash therapist. And I talk to her a lot about uh, the, the anxiety that I experience. And she's helped me realize a few things. Um, one is that it is not the presence of anxiety for me that is a problem necessarily it is my desire to not have that anxiety that is the problem, because I spend so much energy trying to get rid of that feeling that I have, that anxious feeling that I have. But really, it's incredibly normal, right? So if we think about what anxiety really is, it is a mix of two things. One is there's something that you care about, Hmm. and its outcome is uncertain.
1: Okay, wait, say that again.
2: Sure, so anxiety is produced with two ingredients. One, a thing that you care about. And two, the outcome of that thing being uncertain. Uh, yeah. You put these ingredients together, and anxiety is a very natural feeling to have, right? Again, back to our evolutionary biology. Like it's just like a normal thing. Uh, and so it's normal to feel this things, because I care a lot about REMA. I really want RIMA to be successful. I want it to be a thing in the world. Um, but its outcome is incredibly uncertain at any given point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, of course, I feel this anxiety about it. And so um, I do a lot of things to try and get rid of this anxiety. Uh, and so there's this model that, uh, that uh, my coach has taught me that I like to use that uh, is basically to recognize and accept the fact that we're going to feel this anxiety. It's normal. Uh, and in fact, to try and get rid of it, uh, is, uh, the, there's a line that um, Sarah, my coach, uses with me, uh, that you should not have goals that a dead person could achieve, right? So, like, if we didn't want to have anxiety, a dead person doesn't really feel anxiety. Um, but to be anxious is to be alive, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, if we accept this anxiety, this uncertainty, and and then decide what we're going to do in response, right? So, we all have a set of values that we espouse that we try to live by, and uh, when we feel anxiety, we can make a decision. We can choose to move toward those values by doing something, taking an action, doing something that moves us toward those values that we believe. Or we could do something that moves us away from those values. Um, And we all have different responses here, right? Uh, I'll talk about me and my co-founder. So my co-founder's name is Matt. Uh, He's lovely. I did not get permission from him to tell this story in front of people, but uh, I'm sure it'll be fine.
1: Hi, Matt. (laughs) Uh, He actually lives right over there. You might be
2: able to hear us. Okay, so my response, my ingrained response to my anxiety is to do something. I like, sometimes frantically, um, but like, you know, I'll make a plan, I'll do something, I'll take an action. I wanna like, I wanna make a move often to alleviate these anxious, uncertain feelings that I have. Matt's response is the opposite. Uh, he freezes up. Just he, If I stand here just like this, maybe this anxious feeling goes away. Don't do uh, anything. Don't do okay. anything. No sudden moves. Yeah. Uh, you can imagine we make great co-founders.
1: Sounds like a fun meeting. Yeah,
2: yeah. It takes a lot of trust. But uh, in these moments where maybe we're both feeling anxiety about something, maybe just me, maybe just him, um, my instinct is, okay what are we going to do? Uh, and his instinct is, how about we do nothing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Slow down. And, so, and
2: here's the thing. Sometimes he's right. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes it's in between, right? So how do you know? Yeah, I don't think we do. For me, it's like we, we figure out what's the right next thing to do. We do it or we don't. Or we figure out what's the right next step. Uh, ideally making this toward move as much as we can. But recognize that we're probably still going to feel anxious at that next phase. And there's this allure of this like stable Jenga tower, right? That, uh, you know, for me, it's maybe when I raise the next round of funding, then it'll be fine. When we, when we get that next customer, then it'll be okay. When I make this new hire, that's going to like take something off my plate, then it's going to feel okay. For
1: me, it's if I create this perfect system, like great. Yeah. Then I will
2: be certain that it's going to, that everything's going to work out. Uh, and it's been an amazing lesson for me to achieve a lot of those things. You know, it was like, can we get that first customer? Can we raise that first round of funding? Can we get to 10 employees? You know? And at each one of those, I was like, oh, once we get there, this feeling that I feel it right now where you feel, it, I feel it right here. Yeah. That feeling's gonna go away. I'm gonna oh, feel so- I'm feeling
1: kind of <laughs> feeling it right now. Yeah. Um, so you you had these goals that you want to get to in your mind, clearly. And you started walking towards them, but all the time you were feeling
2: that. 100% of the time, I feel it now. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Dang.
2: And each time that I achieve that thing, my whatever's happening in here was just like, oh, well, now I just feel anxious about the next uncertain thing that Dang I care it. about. Yeah,
1: I still didn't yeah. didn't get. It. Yeah. We were talking to just acknowledging that, like in that moment where you're feeling anxious and you want to have a choice. Like there are times and situ- people who have a form of like, anxiety that's, that's medically like, we need help from outside of us to, yeah. to even be able to have those choices. Yeah. So we're, we were acknowledging that there's a lot of kinds of anxiety. It's um, probably hard to know with. the difference sometimes, I think. Sometimes I think that's a fine is, line. Yeah. Uh,
2: I can make an argument that perhaps I should be medicated for these feelings that I feel. Yeah. And it's hard to know. And maybe you will sometimes. For sure. I mean,
1: maybe need it. And also acceptance, I think, is something that can be... Helpful almost all the time, like some acknowledgement and some acceptance from ourselves, or if we can't do it for ourselves, that's why we have each other, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and um, so I wanted to just let that be named clearly too. Um, yeah, it reminds me, you know, like don't believe everything you read um, in the news, but a friend, Jeanette, was sending me, that reminded me of a bumper sticker that she had don't believe everything you think. Um, those, those thoughts that, that get into our minds all the time. Like maybe we should doubt those sometimes, mm. or maybe even like, like just pause and ask our allies or our friends, like, wait, is this thing, is this thing real? Is this yeah. true? You know, help me out.
2: Yeah. And maybe a, even more comically, a version of that is, you know, don't believe all the voices in your head. Uh, but like, I think it's a real thing. Like I often hear the voice in my head saying a thing and it's like, I don't think I believe that thing.
1: Yeah. And it is hard to know what, when to believe it and when to not. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any answers for that. I think our bodies do help us sometimes, can be our allies. So so yeah, this, this um, acceptance that there is going to be uncertainty in our lives, and I think uh, there's a fabric distinction we make um, around this that for me has been really helpful, and that is that Doubt doesn't mean, I, like, I don't believe anything. I'm not going to go for anything. I have no values. It's, it's no, these, these are my convictions. And there are no guarantees, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's big. That's, that's scary. But it's also so amazing when we start to experience what it's like to move through that, that doorway of impossible we were talking about Oliver Wendell Holmes yesterday. Like you Great, do. Yeah, like we do. Poetry. <laughs> Justin and I are always getting together and talking poetry.
2: Um, for the record, we had to Google it to remember who, who actually said this quote.
1: Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember. We thought lest, it was Mark Twain. Unless they think we're
2: too well read.
1: Right. Yeah. I wanted him to think that. <laughs> okay. But anyway, yeah, he talked about, I wouldn't give a fig for simplicity on this side of complexity. Um, But I'd say we call that like simplisticness almost. Perhaps Um, naivete. Or naivete, yeah. Um, But I would give anything, he said, for simplicity on the other side of complexity when you're willing to like walk through the impossible stuff, walk through, go through the messy, go through the difficult, the stuff that feels stuck. So I really, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it adds to this what-if idea Um, and this, really helps us remember how, how this thing, this uncertainty or doubt, is not a defect. It's not something we need to cure or fix in each other or in ourselves, um, but something to move with, to learn how to kind of dance with, maybe. I don't know what metaphor we want to use, but um, yeah. But whatever helps us keep coming back to that. Yeah. And to me, I think that's a pretty decent reason for this community, for a community like Fabric that can can meet us there in that messy place?
2: I think, I mean, this is a reason that I keep coming to Fabric. Uh, I remember, man, when was, I mean, so back when I was like 12, when I first started coming to yeah. Fabric. Uh, we, Greg was, uh, I'm sure you've all seen him do this, but. Uh, if you
1: don't know Greg, you might not have met Greg yet. He's sure. a, a pat guy who started this crazy experiment. Yes, he was
2: talking about how life is ideally lived in this uncomfortable middle and he uses this analogy where he has two milk crates and an unstable like two by six that he puts on these milk crates and he walks along it and you're kind of nervous he's gonna fall i mean he's getting kind of old i mean does
1: anyone remember this anyone else was around you may or may not yeah a lot of people were here
2: so i love this analogy i i try to live my life in that uncomfortable middle uh but doing that comes with these anxious feelings, you know, like, uh, it's easy to stand on one of those milk crates and feel, I got this figured out. I have some certainty, perhaps. Yeah. Build a perfectly beautiful Jenga tower, uh, and have this certainty of where you are and what you're doing. Um, and maybe there's a time for that. There's a time to Mm -hmm. have certainty. Um, conviction for sure.
1: Perhaps. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: Uh, but uh, I would argue that to really feel alive, uh, to wrestle with the stuff that's all around us, that's, whether it's in uh, a friend's uh, struggles or our own struggles or what have you, living in the middle of that uncertainty, you know, doing stuff that is exciting, even when you don't know the outcome but you do care, uh, it's going to make you feel... Uncomfortable is you might feel anxious. Um, And uh, both my coach Sarah and um, Greg often talk about like passengers on your bus. Um, mm. and if we just think about that anxiety, that uncertainty as there's another passenger on our bus, you know, mm. that passenger is riding on our bus and it's fine. It's fine. They can ride on our bus. Yeah. Uh, and it's the desire, a role, maybe a
1: little bit of a role. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, help
2: us be a little bit cautious sometimes or to know that we, Hey, I feel this way because I care about this thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I have found living in that uncomfortable middle and, you know, I think perfectly embodied by two milk crates and a two by six is a, the way to live life.
1: Well, thanks for being also on my bus and the buses of others.
2: That means my anxiety is also on your bus.
1: (laughs) I try not to take it on. but that's a whole other conversation, taking on other people's anxiety. Yeah, fabric, those perspectives that we can offer each other um, about ourselves and about how things work. Um, And, you know, it's a way to be like you and your colleague, like with people who maybe even drive you nuts sometimes, Hmm. but also... You need them. Yeah. You need them. And where else in the world besides, you know, maybe work, do you voluntarily go somewhere where there are people that are going to bother you a little <laughs> bit?
2: <laughs> they're going to disagree with me.
1: Yeah. They're, they're different from me. They see things differently. They, they maybe make me feel a little off balance, like pull the rug out a little bit. Yeah. I think we need that. So what is that place f- for us here? You listening? Um, if you're hearing this, what, what is it? a place right now that feels stuck, feels impossible, um, that you just can't see. You can't see the other side. And how, how could this perspective, these people, some practice when it's easy?
2: Some acceptance.
1: Some acceptance, yeah. And some acknowledgement of the doubts that you have that, hey, they might be telling you something. Those might be kind of holy rumblings in there leading you to something that uh, could be really exciting. So listen, what if we listen to those together? What could be on the other side? Yeah, may we keep asking this question and being there for mm-hmm. each other and helping each other walk through that doorway through the impossible. Yeah, thank you, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me. All right.
0: Thanks for listening. If you're looking for more connection in your life, Stay up to date with what's going on with fabric and find resources to help you in your conversations and reflection at fabricmpls.com or searching fabric MPLS on social media. Let us know if there are conversations you're longing to start or resources you're longing for to help you live a life more deeply woven.